You got 30 seconds, guys, as I organise myself. I'm not sure why, but every time you get up here, you need the toilet. <laughs> is, this, is this my water? Yep, yep. I'm allowed that, am I? Okay, thank you. <laughs> it won't help, will it? All right. Hey, look, um, let's open in prayer, guys. Lord, I just want to ask today that our minds and our hearts will be open for change, Lord. I want to ask also, Lord, that you would speak to us individually and collectively as a group as we inspire for missions, overseas missions especially, Lord God. And I just ask that you just open our hearts for what you have to say to us today. I guess um, before I kick off, I just wanted to really acknowledge the NZ BMS ladies who pray. You know, if you listen to Joan today, and I guess, and Kay has told me to speak quietly and slowly, so I'll try and keep the energy levels to a limit. But I guess what really impressed me is you hand her a mic and she's got no shaking. You hand her a mic and the words that she has to say come from the heart. And I guess what that really says to me is there's an incredible passion in those ladies, and I'm going to try and remember them, but I know it's Beryl, I know it's Joan, I know it's Gwenda, I know it's Avril, I know it's Kay, and I know it's Robin. And have I missed anybody? And Carolyn, that's it. And I guess the thing that really hits home to me is diversity. So I head Marsh IND for New Zealand, and basically diversity of gender, age, thoughts, and thought leadership is really important. So I guess the challenge I would put out to the church is that, yeah, these guys are really passionate and energetic, but we need younger people, and we need different people involved in that group. So that would be my encouragement for you guys today. But anyway, let's get into this. I guess what I'm looking for today is a response from your heart. I know that what I will say will go in your mind and you'll analyse and you'll have your analytic thoughts and your own opinions as to what I say, but I want you to listen to your heart, okay? I've chosen the backing template deliberately and I've done it for this reason that the lights that are coming from New Zealand basically represent four things. One of them is our heartfelt prayer for overseas missions. And that's what a 92 or 91, Joan? 92 or 91, one of those two anyway, isn't it? That's what Joan does, because Joan physically can't necessarily travel to the ends of the earth to do short-term missions, but what she can do is pray. The other part is our heartfelt messages of encouragement to missions. So the first one is our heartfelt prayer, the second one is our heartfelt messages of encouragement. But here are the two bigger challenges, there's two more, the next one is our finances. So you've seen the videos of the Kolkata. You've heard stories of last week. But if finances don't come from New Zealand in the form of Missions Month in July or throughout the year, things don't happen. Actions don't take place. Lives do not change. And the fourth one that I really want you to listen to your heart as to what God may say is our ability as a church to go out and do short-term missions work. So every time you see that template slide come up, which will sit behind, I want you to remember the four things. It's about prayer, it's about encouraging messages, it's about our finances, and it's about what we can physically do to go out and make a difference. And it comes from the Great Commission. I want to read you Matthew 16, 20, and it says this. And as you remember the story, Jesus has risen at this point. 
Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very ends of the earth. So I say again, what is God saying to you? Okay, I'm going to start with a story that just sort of tells you how God will actually speak to you, okay? So I'm a bit of a trade-me trader. I'll make no secret of the fact I like to make a dollar, but I also like the throughput. I like the fun of actually selling stuff. So when my mother passed away in 2020, she had a lot of stuff. I was going to keep some. I wasn't going to throw it all away, and I decided I would sell it. So that's fine. I got through that, but I've also had a, a little batch of stuff recently. And I sold, I put an item on Trade Me that was a lampshade from one of our boys' bedrooms. I basically said buy a pickup because it was relatively large, but it was made of metal. But this particular lady asked me a question, just said, would I post it to the North Island? And I'm a trader. I like to make a dollar, and I like to sell it. So I said, yes, at buyer's risk, I will send it to the North Island. So she bought it. It was not a lot of money. We're talking peanut butter sandwich stuff here, okay? But fundamentally, when I packed it, and I paid for the courier, and I put it at the front door, I had a little inkling that it may not arrive safely. Okay? So on the Saturday, the 18th of June, I had sent her an email in the afternoon, and I asked her if it arrived safely. I'm very, very protective of my trade-me feedback. I don't want a negative comment. And I've got positive feedback, okay? So I made the mistake of asking her, did it arrive safely? So she came back and said, well, we had a couple of exchanges and asked if she could fix it. This is what she said to me. This is Saturday the 18th of June. Unable to fix it, unfortunately. Yes, a refund would be good, I think. What do you want me to do with the shade? So what I had done is I had offered a refund in the hope that she would come back and say, no, that's okay, we'll go halfway. But she wants... <laughs> all her money back, including the 10 bucks I paid to send it to her. So then she said to me, what do you want me to do with the shade? And I had some ideas about that as well. <laughs> right? So then, on Sunday the 19th of June, so that's Saturday night, Saturday the 18th of June, I'm not in a, I'm not in a good space. I'm a bit angry about it, as you can probably imagine, because it's going to cost me, you know, some money. So Paul preached on what was called the golden rule. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. So very quickly, I had a message as to how I was feeling. And I knew it was for me, because the day before, I had some fairly negative thoughts. And I read that, and I listened to what Paul had to say, and God spoke to me and said, God, Steve, it's just 10 bucks, it's 20 bucks, get over it. And God spoke to me. And today, God's going to speak to you. I had two choices. I could ignore it, or I could listen to it. And I listened to it. I gave her her money back, and I got on with life. Do you know what? I actually feel better for it. Okay. You've heard from Caleb today about the Renew Together brand. And it's Kia Manawanui, creating a guiding approach. God is doing something new in the world, and we are listening. So NZBMS, by its own admission, COVID-driven, 
has redefined its strategy, its business, and its purpose in New Zealand. And it's come up with four guiding approaches to what it wants to do. The first one is that it wants to encourage churches to realise that we have a heart for global mission, people, and places. That is the foundational basis of what NZBMS is about. And that is what Joan and her team, it's actually Gwenda, sorry, Gwenda and her team who leads, do week after week after week. They also want to be upfront and transparent with us as church communities about what the risks are and also the needs of the global missions community. And it's making us aware of the hard work that is being undertaken overseas. The third is they want to engage with us on a regular basis. And they want to resource us with the resources and information that we need to be successful in the little things that we can do to actually help overseas missions. And my father-in-law's just arrived. Welcome, Hugh. The fourth one is they want us to be clear about who we are and the work that they do and what we do. So fundamentally, we have NZBMS as a resource and a satellite within St Albans Baptist Church to be successful. A couple of facts for you. So if you look at that slide, that is effectively global Christianity. When you look at the bottom circled piece, you can see that you've got a global north and a global south. Now, global north is effectively Pacific region, which is Australia, New Zealand, Europe and North America, so it's not colour-coded, okay, so just break the world in half. Then what you've got is Global South, which is Latin America, Africa and Asia. Now in 1970, Global South, which is Latin America, Africa and Asia, was only 33, 43% of global Christianity, but now it's growing. So you can actually see that in 2018, that those parts of the world where missions has been active and proactively furthering God's word in the kingdom is starting to grow. But fundamentally, it's reducing in other parts of the world. So then we couple that with three statistics, that the world is becoming more religious. And I know in this church we've debated what religious actually means because I can be religious and dedicated to sport, and that is my religion. Okay, I take that, we've talked about it before. But in 1970, 20% of the world's population was of no religion, atheist or agnostic. But by 2050, it's predicted that less than 10% will identify with this. But I think we all know that that 10% is going to be Buddhist, Hindu or Muslim as opposed to Christianity. And 86% of Buddhists, Hindus and Muslims do not know a Christian personally. That will also exist in New Zealand. So what it's saying to us is that if we don't do something about that in our little part of the world individuals sitting in our little chair in this church today, who's going to go and do it? But collectively, we can be powerful with God on our side. And of the annual global church income, so we've got a, a missions giving next week, 6% of ministry expenses go to foreign missions. I don't know whether that's a good or bad number. I haven't done the stats around New Zealand, but I know we can make a difference next week. And let's think about next week for a moment. So fundamentally, we do this year after year after year, and we give an amazing amount of money. Someone can give five bucks, and someone can give 500 bucks. It doesn't matter. It's what's in here. Right. But next week, let's smash what we did the year before. I know it's COVID-dependent. I know inflationary pressures. I know all that sort of stuff. But God rewards those that give. So let's really make a difference next week, and let's smash. I think it was about 8,000 last year. Let's aim for 10 or 15 if we can. And I'm preaching to myself. 
I'm not standing here telling you to give. I'm also telling myself to give, Kay and I. So I'm preaching everything today to myself. So talking about missions, and I played this slide before. So some of you may remember in May 2019 when I stood up here and talked about missions. And I talked about this in two parts. I talked about it in a secular sense in the context of that too many people die today having not fulfilled their life dream. Now that life dream might be something as simple as going on a trip somewhere in New Zealand. It might be actually making, you know, renewing relationships with family. It doesn't matter. Whatever hopes, dreams and desires you have, Oliver Wendell Holmes is telling you not to die before you've played it. But the same can actually apply for missions because missions is not about what we do, it is what we are. Missions is about what we are because in our heart, God gives us a sense for lost people. God works on us day by day in the things that we do and the actions that we take and it's what we are. Missions also starts at home. It starts today. If we're going to think about what we're going to do in missions in the next 12, 18 and 24 months, it starts today. Because as we grow in our heart and in ourselves and as a collective body, we also can reach other parts of the globe. And also, most importantly, we don't all have to be Jeanette to make a difference. So I'm not standing here today telling you have to be Jeanette Edmonds and go and be a missionary in Thailand for 25 years. I'm just asking you to do something small in your own heart Take some actions that can make a big difference collectively. And lastly, the more that you touch, you see, and you feel, and the more of that something that you can see, the chaos and the poverty and the struggle, the more your heart will respond to what needs to be done. And sometimes to respond, you need to be there, and you need to see it, and you need to feel it, and you need to taste it, and you need to know what influence you've had on that particular action to really feel that God is working in you as much as in them. Okay, let me just remind you who our missionary team is. And I guess there's one sad part of the slide for me, and I'll be honest about it, is that when I played the slide in May 2019, only one name's been added, Paul Edlin. That's not a bad thing, because we're still... (laughs) That's not a bad thing, by the way, Paul. Um... But effectively, it hasn't changed. So it tells, me, it tells me two things. It tells me that the people on that list are committed to missions and want to make a difference. We meet, we pray, we talk, and we encourage, and we plan. Now, COVID has slowed us down. But the reality is, to me, that lacks diversity. I know we're a white middle-class church, but we are different, and we have different people. There's no young people on that list. So when I was here last time, I asked, well, is Caleb young? <laughs> Or Bradley, sorry, it's Bradley younger, is he? But we need, need younger people. So we have a great team, but we could do with some more people. The bigger, the better. Okay, I'm going to deviate slightly. I'm going to take you away from a, a, a sermon talk to a business talk. And I know you're reading the slide, but let me talk to you as you read it. So basically within my world at Marsh, we basically try and teach our clients about risk. And we try to teach them to think global, not local. We try to get them to understand that raw materials in, exports out, and supply chain matters. So we're teaching them about risk. Now, with overseas missions, there is risk. And I know every one of you sitting there today has probably got plenty of reasons why you shouldn't go, do, or act. So in this situation, this is a from the World Economic Forum 
Global Risk Report. And what they do on an annual basis, in consultation with our company, is they ask a thousand people around the world a number of questions. And those thousand people are not CEOs, are not country leaders, but they are leaders in their own right in the context of the arts, in culture, in business, in community, in whatever the case might be. And they range in age from 20 to 90. So what they're asked to do is to identify the most severe risks on a global scale in the next 10 years. So as you can see, they've chosen climate action. So you can see that there are five categories. There is economic, there is environmental, there is geopolitical, societal, and technological. And what we say to our clients is that we can't insure you for societal or geopolitical, and not all of environmental or economic. So fundamentally, you have to focus on managing risk away from an insurance policy. So as you can see, number one is climate action failure, extreme weather, and biodiversity. But I can't insure a biodiversity loss. If we lose a species, I can't protect that. I can't protect social cohesion erosion. And I thought you might be interested in the definition of social cohesion erosion according to the report, and it says this. Loss of social capital and a fracture of social networks negatively impacting social stability, and that's a mouthful. Individual well-being and economic productivity as a result of persistent public anger, distrust, divisiveness, lack of empathy, marginalisation of minorities, and political polarisation. And that's a conversation starter, isn't it, when you think about it? And you look at envir human environmental damage, natural resource crisis, debt crisis, which is government, uh, you know, too, too large loans within governments, and then geo-economic confrontation, so protectionist measures. So there are plenty of reasons why a business shouldn't trade globally when you look at that. And I know what you're thinking. There are plenty of reasons as an individual why I shouldn't do overseas missions. So then we go to the next one. And over the next zero to two years, I've taken out the percentage rating, but what they're asked to do is actually then determine what is going to be a critical threat to the world, and each one of those carries a weighting as they pick their top three. So as you can see, extreme weather, livelihood crisis, and climate action failure. So the moral of the story is, there is plenty that can go wrong in a business. So then we look at the New Zealand Baptist Mission Free Society risk identifiers. What is the greatest threat to overseas missions from New Zealand? And lo and behold, they say very similar things. Geopolitical unrest, future pandemic threats, widening societal wealth gap, climate change, but also, most importantly, falling attendances in churches and ageing populations. Okay? So you're probably all sitting there thinking, I'm too old to go. Well, old means wisdom, it means knowledge, it means life experience. I'm too young to go. Well, young means energy, vive, persistence. I don't have enough intelligence. Well, lack of intelligence means you can probably do what I do and sell insurance, all right? <laughs> so it means you can hold a conversation. I get nervous, well, who doesn't? I don't have the money, well, who, who does? Money doesn't matter. So you look at that and you say, there's lots of reasons why I can't. But fundamentally, I'm going to show you in a minute why you can. So remember what I said. What is God saying to you? 
And those lights meant four things. It meant our heartfelt prayer for missions, what you all need to do. It meant our heartfelt messages of encouragement to missions that we all need to do. It meant our finances to make things happen in the world of missions because if we don't give, who will? And lastly, it meant what if? What if we could make a difference ourselves and go out there and do something, albeit small, albeit minor, albeit being too old or too young or too nervous or can't afford it or whatever? The list can go on and on and on. Okay. So then we come to Romans 8, 38 to 39. Have you read Jeanette's book? Yeah. Okay, it's a good book. It's a good book. Have I lost you? You're cool? All right. So basically, and Jeanette, it's great that you are here, so nice to see you. All right, I'm going to read an extract from Jeanette's book, okay? And the book is themed no matter what. And what you realize really early on in the book is that Jeanette's early life with Ray, and look, I loved Ray Edmonds um, because he was my, you know, I wouldn't say Bible class teacher. It was, he, he took a young, young man's group. And what he did, he never lost heart in us. So whilst we didn't always turn up, whilst we didn't do our homework, and whilst we didn't always want to be there, he never lost heart in trying to help us. And if there's one man that I can remember as an influence on me, it is Ray Edmonds. But he wasn't easy to live with because he became a Christian at 48. So for 48 years, Jeanette grew up in a home where God wasn't the number one. Okay, let me just... So for Jeanette to make a decision to go and do overseas missions was going to be a struggle. So we're going to read from her book. And basically, um, yeah, she was trying to make... So this is effectively a little bit of background. It's chapter 3, Led by Love. So she had been nursing for 13 years, but since God's call to be a missionary. At the age of 27, she was seeking God's confirmation. She had heard some awful stories about Bangladesh from people, didn't want to go to Bangladesh. She applied to go to India, then heard, but immediately felt, no, that's not where I want to go, and so fortunately wasn't accepted. But went to visit friends in Waimati and basically met a lady called Avril Bennett. And effectively, Avril talked about nursing opportunities in Thailand through OMF. I'm going to blow my nose for a sec, just give me two ticks. All right. So I'm going to read from there. For two years, I had asking God to show me where he wanted me to go and with which mission. Now here was a specific opportunity presenting itself. She's in Waimati, she's met Averill, and Averill's talked about nursing opportunities in Thailand. But how could one really know? My heart was thumping and my mind reeling with questions about Thailand. The same questions you guys are probably having as well about why should I do something for overseas missions, all right? But Jeanette was about to commit her life. I did not even know exactly where the country was. Bit surprised there, Jeanette, but that's okay. <laughs> when Averill got out a map and pointed to Thailand, I was petrified. Do you blame her? Right next door was Vietnam, showing her age, where war was raging. All I knew was that the rest of the world expected the communist regime to take over and infiltrate neighbouring countries. Now, here's, here's where she's really honest. She says, Suddenly, I had so many fears, 
What if I was captured by communists? What if I was tortured? What if I died? Could I learn the Thai language when I failed school cert? No, you didn't say that. You said school-level French. How could I cope with eating Thai food, which I had read was so spicy that it scorched inside of you? What about the climate? All reasons not to go. But in her heart, she knew she had to go, and she needed confirmation. But she needed to know that God was going to be there in the highs and the lows, in the doubts, and forever. And her book was called No Matter What. So she wanted to know that God would be there no matter what. Uh, let me, it was as if a conflict was simmering inside me with two opposing voices. Which one was God speaking? How would I ever know? I went to bed and I tried to sleep, but the turmoil in my spirit made it impossible. I spent hours tossing and turning, trying to read, trying to pray, counting sheep, and flicking the light in the bedroom on and off. At three o'clock in the morning, I said to God, I'm not going anywhere unless I know it's really you. If you make it clear, I will go anywhere with you, but I have to be sure it's you. In that moment, I experienced the love of God baptizing me all over, inside and out. It was the most glorious awareness of his presence. All the tormenting fears were washed away by a warm, tangible love that flowed over me. At the same time, he spoke to my mind through scripture that answered all my fears and concerns. Romans 8, 38 to 39. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today and our worries for tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky or the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation, will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus. That night I knew that I would go anywhere in the world with Jesus just to stay in his love. Having experienced the power of his presence, I fell into sleep totally at peace. At the time I didn't recognize it, but now I understand that I was being invited into a life of intimacy with God. Intimacy that was the very foundation of my sense of call. In the years to come, it was this that gave me the ability to hang on to God through all the ups and downs of mission life and loneliness. From that night on, and here's the crunch, I simply knew that God had called me that I would cling to his promises no matter what. And that's the title of the book. So what am I trying to say? What I'm trying to say is that I've walked you through secular reasons why businesses wouldn't trade. I've now walked you through the doubts that Jeanette had and why she didn't know if she should go to Thailand. Read the book. There's turmoil. There's struggle. A risk analysis says don't go. But fundamentally, she found a verse that basically said that she is a sinner, but she is forgiven, that there are hard times, but God is there. So regardless of the circumstances, God would never fail. So what I'm saying to you guys, in a sense of a short-term mission trip, that nothing I have said in the last 10 minutes needs to scare us. So what if there's extreme weather? We can put an umbrella up. So what if there's a bit of wind? We get inside. 
So what if there's a, a social cohesion crisis? What if there's a livelihood crisis? Well, we don't go there. If we don't help, if we don't try and make a difference, but also we actually realize how lucky we really are. So inside our hearts and our spirits, we have to realize that if we don't go, no one is going to go. And Jeanette found that promise. So let's talk about Pom. An amazing woman of God, and as I've said to you before, I never actually thought I would be inspired to do missions until I saw it for myself. I saw the struggle, I saw the chaos, I saw the confusion, I saw the poverty, but I saw the happiness in their eyes. I saw the, the, what God had done was so little. So here's me with everything, seeing what they can do with so little. And who is she? She's now 59. She's pastoring in Wiset. Her father was a Buddhist monk, and she became a Christian when Jeanette was over, near, over there, and she is a woman with amazing capacity. Now we're going to watch a quick video, Leslie, if you want to make it work. Read the words, not the lip music. terrible I accept that but the words were good okay so just oh sorry Bradley yeah, okay I mean sorry at least I should say okay so there she is an amazing energetic woman of God someone who actually has endless opportunity endless energy but also endless passion for God to actually make a difference so basically what are we going to do why am I up here today so you may remember that we talked a couple of years ago about going to the Philippines and the Philippines has not gone off the radar. So George Hedding and I have had a conversation. The Philippines is not for now. So we are going to promote today a Thailand short-term missions trip with POM. Jeanette has spoken to her. She is really excited. And what are we going to do? All right. So you remember last time in 2012. So we have, it has been nearly 
10 years, in fact it is 10 years, since we last went to Thailand, so we are well overdue. You may remember last time we did a creative ministries trip. We sang some songs, we did some plays, we did a couple of drums, we did some puppets, but this time, all we want is people to have a heart for people. We will visit and encourage local pastors. And what you have to remember over there is that pastors don't have any money. They don't have any support. So other than God and a heartfelt prayer, knowing they're doing the right thing, there was a lot of reasons why they shouldn't even bother to do it. The second part is we will visit local churches and you will be inspired to see. It might be a church of seven or eight people, but that seven or eight people will go and talk to seven or eight people, talk to seven or eight people and make a real difference. But they hang on to the word. What do we hang on to? We get upset if the weather's not going to be right today. We get upset if our friends aren't nice to us. We get upset if the pastor says the wrong thing in church. But they hang on to one word from a sermon because it makes a difference. Because they know they're running away from a life of Buddhism. Because everything around them is in that spiritual realm. We'll go and see community outreach programs. We're children who will be, have nothing compared to us. Nothing in, the, in, the, in that lifestyle you'll see them happy. They want to be there. They want to take in the word. They want to learn. They want to understand. And I want to meet you. I told you last time in 2012, we went to a particular family. This woman wanted us to come into her house because she believed she would be blessed because these people from New Zealand actually came in to bless her home. Jeanette said, just go with it. Just go with it. That fundamentally was the difference we made. So she felt blessed that Kiwis from New Zealand turned up to see her. We will also meet local Christians. So I say, the skill set required is a heart for people. And I repeat again, go and see it, go and touch it, and go and feel it, and God in action, and see the chaos and the poverty, and you'll realize how lucky you are. I've told you the story before with the AIDS temple, where Pon and Jeanette, these people were dying. Why would you go to an AIDS temple when probably my attitude was, they deserved it, they're not going to last very long, so let's get out of here. But Pon and Jeanette were there praying for them, they were there encouraging for them, because at the end of the day, they were a lost soul for God. So make a difference in their life in their last few months, few weeks, whatever the case might be. But Pon was committed to doing that. We went to a woman's prison where she wanted to teach these women that there was a life outside of what they were doing, a life outside of the actions they'd taken, a life outside of the life they lead. So fundamentally, go and see it, touch it and feel it. And remember the things we've done for her. We bought her a car. So two and a half years ago, we raised $9,000 in this church for a 1996 Honda City. That photo you saw before was Pond sitting in that car. Effectively, it's 20 to 25,000 baht per year, and there was 100% tax. But fundamentally, that car has opened her world. It's allowed her to move. It's allowed her to travel. It's allowed her to network. It's allowed her to do a lot more other than being in WeSet on a day-by-day basis. But it's made a massive difference to her, being encouraged that outside of Thailand, Christians are supporting her. So this God must be real. So imagine the impact it has if people from New Zealand come and see her in Thailand to see what she's doing day-to-day to encourage her, to pray with her, to finance her, but also to make a difference on the street with her. And there's the car. So what are the logistics? The plan is the first half of 2023. And all I'm saying today is register an interest. I don't know what you're doing. I, I, can, I can read the room. I know what you're doing. You're saying, yeah, that's cool, but others will do it. Yeah, that's okay, but it's, you know, something I'll do maybe in three or four years' time. Yeah, that's okay, but it's too much COVID's out there. Yeah, that's okay, but I'm just not, not ready for it right now. Well, okay, that means 98% of you have written yourself off already. So no matter how old or young you are, where you come from, personal circumstances, 
Somebody has to make a choice. Somebody has to say, I'm going to go. Register an interest. Come and listen. Come and learn. Forget about, forget about the finance piece. We'll work that out later. Forget about travel insurance. We'll work that out later. But just come along and listen and make up your mind. So the plan is we want to go first half of next year. There's a number in our head as to what's the ultimate number for a, a group. We don't care what that number is. We will go anyway. If we get one, we might go anyway. If we get 25, we'll go. So come along and have a listen. I'm going to finish on this. So you would have seen, if you were watching the video, you would have seen that is the blind school. That is Pon in her green and black dress, and obviously someone is singing. I want you just to imagine what it would be like. So you look at that picture, and it's just a picture. You can see some blind kids. You can see their masks on. You can see a song's being sung, but you can't feel it. You can't hear it, and you can't taste it. I want you to imagine this, what it will be like in that room, seeing the encouragement on those kids' faces with the words that Pon is saying, that you won't understand because it's in Thai, but don't worry about that, but to see that she is trying to make a difference, that your presence, your finances, your prayers, and your encouragement are keeping her going to do exactly that. And if you don't do that, encourage, pray, give, and get out of your seat and get on a plane and go and have a look, how can we expect her to carry on? And you would leave that room knowing that God has been there, God has turned up, God has also honoured you, it's honoured those kids, but it's also left you with something special in your hearts that you've actually made a difference. But you've now got a passion for it, you're ready for the next thing. What is the next challenge? Where do we go next? What do we do now? But thank you, God, for creating the opportunity. And you know, all you have to do is say yes and get on an aeroplane and go. That's, That's all you have to do. And as I said right at the start, all we're looking for is what is God saying to you and what is your heartfelt response so why don't you join us for a conversation at some stage and find out what it's about ask the questions that scare you forget about how old you are forget about how many disabilities you've got forget about what you don't know forget about what you can't say or speak or do and just come along anyway because you're human you're forgiven and you're part of us um, Paul that's pretty much me if you want to come and do your bit We are going to pray, by the way, but I'll let Paul do his bit. How's that? We on? Fantastic. Steve, just give the guy a hand. Wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. There's a couple of things that I want to say before I hand over to Caleb. In fact, worship team, can you come on up now and just get yourself set up? There's a couple of things I want to say. If you're here last week... Um, uh, we opened up the, uh, the Renew um, presentation, and I shared a couple of things from a personal level um, uh, with you. And I just want to recapture that from last week. One of the things I said was, I didn't want to go on the trip that I went on. In fact, I've been on several. Um, and um, what I didn't tell you last week, the reason why I didn't want to go and see all of that stuff was basically because I was a coward. I didn't tell you that part. So here's honesty time. I was a coward. I didn't want to see the stuff I was going to see. I didn't want to see the 12-year-old girls lined up in those very small streets that you saw who were prostitutes. I didn't want to see all of that stuff. 
because I live in New Zealand and you kind of don't see that every day. So I didn't want that experience. But I went anyway and I said to you last week and it changed my life and it certainly has. And I would encourage you, I want to just reinforce what you said, Steve. All the doubts in the world we can have. But at the end of the day, we have to have the courage to step up to the plate and say, count me in. Count me in. And go check it out. Just go and check it out. So I want to encourage you to do that. Go and check it out. Um, you never know. Um, you may come back completely transformed and changed as I was. You never know. Oh, by the way, um, that whole coward thing, um, I'm really not a coward anymore. Not at all. That was one of the changes that happened. It's been a tremendous time. The last thing I want to say, second thing, which is the last thing, is I also talked last week about um, uh, we're doing this offering next Sunday on the 70. We'll have a, just a couple of baskets down here. We'll all come out of our seats, and you'll come down with your children with your offering. Hopefully, that's what you'll do. You'll come prepared for that. Uh, and the church, I think the church um, newsletter or electronic newsletter, there are three ways in which we can give. There is come to the offering with cash. You can do a, a, a transfer, um, electronic transfer. We've got the bank details. That's all been put in there. Um, but the other thing that you can do, we'll have these cards next week, is uh, write out a pledge card. Um, if you don't come prepared with the money, then you can write out a pledge card. You do have to sign it. We need to know your name. Sign it with your phone number. And you have 14 days to honour the pledge. Yeah? 14 days. Because we need the money to send up to where it needs to go, so we can't wait for six months. So here's the thing. Next week when we take up this offering, this is not a transfer of your tithe. Malachi talks about tithes and offerings. Here's the thing about tithing, church. In the Bible, tithing is never, ever about generosity. Tithing is about responsibility. But an offering, that's generosity. So this is an offering that goes over and above your tithe. And what you give, that's between you and God. God's already spoken to me about what he wants me to give about three weeks ago. And I went, really? Really? But that's what the Lord said. And I will be obedient to that, darling. She's actually more generous than what I am, so I think I should be in charge of that part of it. Otherwise, we'll be broke. But really want you to get that in your spirit. Tithing is responsibility. We all have that responsibility. But the offering that goes to um, renew, that's generosity. So the question is, how generous are you going to be? We sung a song at the beginning, Jesus at the center of it all. Here's my challenge to you. Is he at the center of your finances. Thanks, guys. Hey, look, um, before we do our last song, and obviously I want to invite you guys up for prayer, and the prayer team will be here, but I'd love to pray with you as well. And I guess, you know, who am I talking to here? You know, Jono, I'm, Jono, I'm talking to you. Um, you know, Bill Trevi, I'm talking to you. You know, Alex Davies, I'm talking to you. Graham Alexander, Allison, I'm talking to you. I'm not talking to those that are obvious. I'm talking to any, anyone and everyone. So come down here. If you want to pray about what you could do, how you could do, if you disagree with me and want to come down and pray about that, come down and pray with me. And if no one comes down, that's fine. I'll just stand here looking silly, but um, <laughs> we'll give it a go anyway. But I reinforce what Paul said. You know, God will give you a number. 
God will give you an action plan. It's up to you to obey and act and give it a go. And remember, coming along for a conversation doesn't mean you've said yes. It just means you want to know a bit more information. Murder, I'm talking to you as well because I remember you last time. Tony Bennon, I'm talking to you. Charles, I'm talking to you. All right? Let's go. Thanks, guys.